Oh my goodness, man. I just love it. I'm so excited to be back and to be talking to a great guy like the one and only Robert McCollum. Oh my goodness. Voice actors are just something special. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. You might not recognize his face, but I assure you, you have heard his voice, especially if you're an anime fan. And he dives deep into that because, you know, it's not just doing animated cartoons. Anime is a whole different world. And he talks about the differences between sub actors and, and just... I mean, he goes deep, and I really love that because I did not know a lot of that information. So it was very informative for me. I think I was you so guys, happy. yeah, I'm so happy. I think you guys are gonna love it. And then, of course, he right now is also being affected by the current writer strike and the potential actor strike. It will affect voice actors as well. So we dive deep into that. You guys are gonna love this interview. It's so freaking amazing. I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. But that's later on the show. Now let's get a little crazy. everybody oh my goodness episode 225 we're here and we're ready to get a little crazy yeah you guys know your host with the most myself jlo fantastic and the one only mouth what's up guys oh my goodness it's gonna be a wild show but before we get into anything and everything that's going down in hollywood first let me talk to you about leaving a rating comment <laughs> and of course sharing uh. this podcast to all your friends like i said comment below tell us what you actually think about the show because leaving a rating and sharing this podcast helps more people see this podcast especially those who are trying to break into the entertainment industry and those who just love entertainment news yes staying up to date with anything and everything that is going down in hollywood because we got you well this week we are doing something a little bit different for our industry news segment we will not be going forth and talking about all the studio stuff we will be talking about all of the potential strikes that may or may not be happening and right now of course we're talking about the wga strike that is well underway well the dga is in negotiations and sag aftra is also right now like asking their unions to vote yes or no whether or not they would go on strike yeah so it's gonna be absolutely crazy and like we've talked about on previous shows sag after is a very divided union so we're gonna get all into that oh yeah but man before we tease the rest of the show be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear you see you see the mug you see the mug not over here not over here but you see the mug right here it matches the shirt and you can get that on our website right. right now right. at crazyantmedia.com and you also have to follow us at itcap podcast and at crazy ant media so you know when you can get those promotional sales. Yes. I mean, it's very important, guys. With birthdays coming up, I know a lot of summer babies are about to be turning one year older than their previous age, and they just they need something to feel a little crazy in a good way, not a bad way. No, because yeah, as yeah. we learn from supervillains, this guy is maybe a little crazy in a bad way. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Go back and listen to that top five segment if you have not yet. I, you know, that just plays into this week's top five segment about play, doing so amazingly <laughs> awesome at something that's just not normally my type. I mean, you know. I'm not a bad guy, but I can play one. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, let's dive into this industry news. Like I said, we'll be talking about all of the unions this week. And let's start off with the biggie, the one that's 
well underway, the WGA, now the Writers Guild of America, argued this week that the strike will end up costing the studios more if it goes on to weeks and months, and it would cost the writers, um, I mean, it would cost to agree to the writers' demands as well. Now, in an email to members, the WGA negotiating committee said it was uh, proposing that this would cost an estimated $429 million per year. Now, the Guild argued that the modest uh, is compared to the billions spent on content every year and the billions in revenues earned every year by the major entertainment companies. Now, the WGA also broke down the cost of its proposals by studios. Now, according to the Guild's estimates, the WGA proposes that it would cost Disney nearly 75 million per year netflix 68 million per year warner brothers discovery around 47 million per year um paramount global 45 million uh, nbc universal 34 million amazon 32 million sony 25 million and apple with 17 million now the alliance of motion picture and television producers which negotiates on behalf of the studios as we've been telling you has previously raised doubts about the wga <laughs> resume of course of they have of course they have why wouldn't they and the wga is seeking increased streaming residuals and substantial hikes and minimum pay scales as well now among their monetary items now it is also seeking a significant provisions regarding the way the TV is made, arguing that the studios should employ a minimum number of writers over a minimum period of time, and that writers should be hired throughout the production and the editing process, because like we've said, and you guys know we are a film and television production company, you are writing non-stop. Oh, yeah. So this makes complete sense. Yeah, now it's very interesting to me that breakdown of money yeah because disney's was the most right 75 million guys it if this strike continues to linger you've heard us over the last since the strike began over the last two or three weeks on this show we've been telling you this has been shut down this has been shut down this production has been how much money do you think that they're losing while those productions are sitting in stall mm -hmm. right 75 million maybe <laughs> and that's all they're asking for it would cost yeah. 75 million per year now of course the studios are, are are saying those estimates are off and it would cost way more yeah but I, even if that's true even if it were to cost a little bit more than what the what the the writers are saying it would cost it's still significantly less than like we said, the billions of dollars that they have spent on content. Look, Disney is slashing content spending right $30 billion on content last year alone. We just saw Warner Brothers Discovery do that, cutting their, their spending on content. I mean, it only makes sense. If you're spending $30 billion on content, how are writers that are helping create that content not getting paid? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, and we're seeing the effects of it as well because, you know, all of these shows who are in their either first season or second season or, I mean, we talked about it last week with a lot of these first look deals being suspended at the moment, which only makes sense because you can't move forward if you don't have those writers in the writer's room. Um, but specifically for the the shows that got that one season 
there's one in particular that we really liked, um, which is the company you keep with uh, a whole bunch of great cast members and great crew as well that just really supported this thing. But I mean, it kind of, I mean, this has been happening to us this past couple of years where it feels like we hop on this show, a new show that we're like really ready for we're really excited for where they're going with the story but then it gets canceled after the first season and that has a lot to do with how much it costs and the viewership because this one it was so successful a lot of people were watching it i'm talking about the company you keep again um and it just it got canceled first season due to the writer strike and not going forward with it. We'll see. And I think you're right. I think that plays into the whole where these studios initially, and I'm talking about Bob Chappick, not Iger, but Chappick under his reign. And of course, Zasloff and everything. Initially, it was about, about quantity mm-hmm. over quality. It was like, boom, 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 spend like crazy, make as much shit as you can and fill our streamers. Cause we need content. The problem with that is, is that quality shows cost money those are those have significant budgets but when you're spending 30 billion on a bunch of shit you don't have the money to spend on the quality shows so the quality shows get canceled because they're too expensive to make yeah hopefully now that we're seeing these cutbacks on spending and they're eliminating a bunch of and they're going back to the quality over quantity some of these quality shows can be saved another example of this of cost, like shows being too expensive, the CW saying they're moving on from superhero shows because superhero shows have had their time. Yep. Yet, mm. the highest rated show on the network, Superman and Lois. Consistently number one or number two every week in the ratings for as long as it's been on. How did, <laughs> superhero mm. shows have had their time. But it's your number one show. like that's, But it is expensive to make. So they're making decisions based on money. And I, I don't know. This thing – and by the way, we should talk about this. We're hearing like every week about all these shows being shut down. Guys, these shows aren't being shut down because of the, the writers not being there. It is being shut down because of the writer's strike. But I want to clarify. It's not because the writers aren't there. These shows' scripts were already finished. These shows are being shut down because Teamsters – who are the majority of the crew, make up the crew, are refusing to cross the picket line in support of the writers. Therefore, they're not showing up for work, and you can't do a show without a crew. And even though the Teamsters aren't on strike, they are refusing to cross the picket line in solidarity, so they're having to shut down productions. And they're not even on strike. So what happens when... They do go on strike. What's the next union, right? So let's jump to that one. Let's jump to what's happening right now. This week, SAG-AFTRA's national board voted unanimously to recommend to the union's members to authorize a strike in advance of its upcoming negotiations for the new film and TV contract. Now, a statement posted on its website read, in anticipation of the union's forthcoming TV and theatrical contract negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which begins June 7th, guys, it's right around the corner, just a couple weeks, the SAG-AFTRA National Board agreed unanimously to recommend that to its members to vote to authorize a strike. 
Now, an affirmative vote does not mean a strike would necessarily happen, but it would allow the national board to call a strike if it's deemed necessary during the negotiation processes. I'm just going to go on the record before I even finish this and say that first day is not going to go the way they want, and they are going on strike. Mark my words, they are going on strike. The action comes following, of course, unanimous agreement by the TV Theatrical Negotiation Committee that the strike authorization would give the union maximum bargaining power and leverage as it enters into the round of negotiations. Now, SAG-AFTRA represents more than 160,000 entertainment and media professionals. Now, get this, guys. SAG-AFTRA hasn't actually been on strike uh, since the, uh, the film and TV industry merged SAG and AFTRA back in 2012. And the last strike against the studios from just SAG before the merger was all the way back in 1980. 80. Wow. And that one was more than three months, a 95-day walkout that established contract terms for pay TV and VHS rentals. Because back then, it was all just network television. Mm-hmm. So they were like, hey, wait a minute, HBO exists now, Showtime exists now, and we're making movies for there, and you guys are banking, and by the way, people are renting these movies now on these things called videotapes. We want money for that, too. So it took 95 days for them to get fairly paid for those. Mm -hmm. So what is the transition now, right? Now it's gone from just regular movie distribution to, okay, you saw it at the movies and that was it, to movies being on network television, to movies being made on television for cable, to movies being made for and distributed after theaters to videotapes. Well, the next progression now is... Streaming. Movies are being made not just for the theater, but for streamers. And television shows are being made for streamers. And they are not being compensated for that. They are not receiving residuals the way they want to for that. So it's the same thing as back in 1980. This is a new medium. And everybody's trying to figure out how much money's being made here and how much money's being made there. And we want our cut. On The thing that's different is in that 1980, the numbers were there. They were public. It's like, how much did this film make on video cassette rentals? How much did this film make when it aired on HBO? Those number, the streaming numbers are being kept private. None of the studios will reveal the profit numbers or rating numbers from these things. And so the actors and the writers, they don't have any idea how much these things are making, right? The studios are claiming that they're all losses, but is it? That can't possibly be right. So this is why I think this is going to happen, guys. I'm sorry, but this is going to happen. It is not going to go well, right? I mean, it, we know it's not because they're they're also arguing not just for residuals, but they're also concerned about AI. They want measures put into place that will protect them from AI being used to generate their image and put them into shows without them actually being there or de-aging them and having them star in something that, that, you know, after they're gone. Tom Hanks was recently talking. He's like, who's to say after I'm dead, they won't just like make a digital copy and put me in a movie. I'll keep acting years after I'm dead. It's those type things that they want assurances on. And the studios have already said to the writers, we're not giving you shit on AI. So, you know, they're going to say to the actors, we're not giving you shit on AI. Boom, strike. So when you see the writers and the actors on strike, and at this point, the Teamsters unwilling to cross the line, no actors, no crew, no writers. 
no industry. Yeah, period. Exactly. I mean, you can't you can't have that. Like, so this is where it's going, guys. This is where it's going. Yeah, it is pretty crazy because I mean, the only way that they are able to kind of track if a show or movie is kind of successful specifically on netflix is they pop it up on you know on their platform number one in the u.s this week or so on and so forth especially whatever region they are in and of course there's that nelson data as well but i mean i feel like you know maybe they don't necessarily can see how much a show is getting traction sometimes i feel like that is a big possibility because why are they so reluctant to show those numbers i feel like that is the biggest thing why are you so terrified to put that out there so i mean it's very interesting and i mean it hasn't really been coming into the conversation until the last few years when all of these streaming services started popping up that's when everybody's been kind of more hush hush but there's more questions coming out about what the numbers actually are but i will make a prediction though i feel like if one union does go on strike and resolves it quicker than others i feel like it will be sag after because i've Fran is a very perceptive person, and I feel like, you know, she doesn't want this quote-unquote bad mark on her representation um, while she's leading SAG after. So I feel like she would try to get that shit resolved very quickly, no matter what it does. But, I mean, with that being said, though, if she tries to get it resolved very quickly and she thinks it's a good deal, sag after is a huge freaking union, guys. Well, so there's a majority yeah. of them that probably will not go her way. So that one right there is going to be something we are definitely going to keep an eye well, on because you never know how like how long it's actually going to be. So, yeah. I think, I think you were exactly right there. A couple of things with what you just said. One, we talk about it all the time on the show, these numbers where they say a certain show was watched for 140 hours or whatever. Yeah. What is the algorithm that determines how much watch time is it? How do you determine 140 hours? What is generating that? Like, I don't understand. What? How are they tracking that? And they won't reveal that. Mm -mm. We just have to take their word that it was watched for those many hours. What does that even fucking mean? Like, yeah. I mean, are there are there people from Nielsen with books like they do for regular network television writing down, I watched this episode for four hours. I watched this episode. Because that's how Nielsen tracks the regular TV stuff. Yeah. I just don't think that's happening for, for streaming. So No, because of that other number that we've been throwing out there, that statistic where you used to have 150 new shows come out every year, but now there's nearly 600 new shows that come out every single year. There's no way people are watching every single one yeah, of those. to track so. hours watched. I just don't know. And the other thing, I agree with you. I think that Fran is very guarded. She's going to want to resolve this thing quickly. There's oh, yeah. no doubt. But, guys, when she was outside the picket line and basically said – we're not arguing for the same things as the writers. We don't think a strike is necessary, necessarily. Although she sure changed tune on that when they voted to authorize two strikes. That, uh, they haven't yet, but they're going to, guys. Everybody we know, all of our friends in the business, all of the actors that, that we know personally, they're all voting yes. And I think the vast majority are going to vote yes to strike. But my thing is, you're right. It's a very divided union. So if they're at the bargaining table and Fran's like, oh, yeah. Uh, this is good. I, I'm happy with this. It still has to be ratified by the members, 
And half the members are probably not going to agree to it because they've all, half the members have come out saying, what the fuck is she talking about? We don't want to strike. We're not fighting for the same things. Yes, we are fighting for the same things. So there you go. Half the members are probably not going to ratify an agreement, even if she comes to one. So that could be a problem. But I mean, SAG-AFTRA has been out with the WGA literally since day one. They've had those signs side by side literally since day one. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how that turns out. Now, the next one is also going to be very interesting because they're putting out that positive press but we mm, you know how that goes perception isn't always reality now the wga which is the directors guild of america is continuing its negotiations with the amptp um now the come as the companies hope to get uh, a deal that could play a a role in the ending the two-week-old writer strike now the dga and the alliance of motion picture and and television producers have agreed to a media blackout for a duration of their bargaining, and both have declined to comment on these matters. It uh, The talks began last Wednesday, and the DGA is focused primarily on getting a streaming residual formula that would allow members to benefit from international subscriber growth. The current formula is based in the U.S. and Canada subscriber numbers, uh, with about 35% bonus meant to account for the platforms for international reach, which, I mean, it, that sounds a little shady because they're right. not giving you real numbers on that one. So it could be really successful internationally, and they're not telling you. The DGA is also focused on getting a outsized hike in minimum to account for the last couple of years of uh, runaway inflation. Now, that's an interesting key point. Oh, yeah. Another key point is uh, creative rights as the guild seeks to protect the role and vision of the directors and in particular television directors that one's interesting oh yeah the guild has said it also wants to wants provisions on diversity set safety and securing the pension and health plans none of which sounds like potential deal breakers for the amptp but assuming the dga can reach an agreement particularly on streaming residuals that formula could be applied to the wga as well Now, they brought up a very interesting thing, which is set safety. Now, I mean, if you go back to the first season of Batwoman and Ruby Rose getting really bad hurt on that set, and I mean, we have countless stories in our industry news segment that talk about all of these different actors, all of these different crew members sometimes dying on set because things are not properly followed or you're just really not paying attention, which leads into that. So, I mean, I feel like these they're fighting for the same things, but to also bring up different aspects to fight for, I feel like it's very important because it shows solidarity. You are standing together, but at the same time, it shows individualism as well so that you are able to say, okay, once they make an agreement, that doesn't necessarily mean we've made an agreement either. So I love that. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, and the safety provisions, they go even beyond just the, the, the physical uh, uh, things like working 16, 17 hour days and then driving home without sleep and coming back and working, things like that. We, we talk, but also the safety of people concerning sexual assault and, mm. and, and uh, right. Cause yeah. there's been incidents where people have been abused sexually on set or there's no intimacy uh, person to provide like what's good and what's not when they're doing intimate scenes and things like that. So that falls under that as well, which I think they're really trying to fight for because those have been issues in the past as well. Um, 
I don't know if the DGA coming to an agreement will help yield the other two on yeah. strike, though. They are, while the residuals, they might agree to a deal on residuals that could roll over into the SAG and the WGA. I agree with that part of it. But it's the other stuff that SAG and, and the uh, Writers Guild are asking for that really don't have anything to do with the directors right. uh, that, that I think are still going to cause. But here's what I think is going to happen. And I think it's intentional, and I think all the union heads have come to this agreement. The Writers Guild, the studios are just kind of knocking it around. Yeah, If SAG joins, the studios are going to start sweating. Yeah. If the DGA joins and the Teamsters refuse to cross any of those lines, game over. That's they it. will be back to the table, and they will give them whatever they want. Because if you have no crew, no directors, no writers, and no performers, you have no Hollywood. Yeah. You have no <laughs> shows, no movies, no nothing. So... I think it's intentional. I think they will all strike. I think they will all be in solidarity and they will all go to the studio and say, fuck you, Hollywood is shut down until you give us what we want. And the studios are – they have no choice at that point. Yeah. They will have to go back and concede and give them the majority of what they want. Otherwise – they're done. How many billions and can, no studio, because they are all in debt, guys. Make no mistake, every studio carries massive debt. And they cannot afford, they almost all shuttered during COVID. Mm -hmm. You think they can afford this close after COVID to shut down for another three, four, five months? They cannot. So they will go back and they will concede. I think this is planned out. I think the unions know this, and which is why they're all standing in solidarity going, yep. you might be looking at one, but if you get two, if you get three, you guys are going to balk and you're going to come back to the table and you're going to finish. And I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, because the studios have been relying on the system of reality television. And it's like once you get into the DGA part of it, you don't have reality television either because they are greenlighting a lot of these reality television shows because of the WGA strike. But with all of these other things happening, you don't have those things to fall back on. You, all you have left is reruns. So, I mean, and a lot of people are going to get really tired of those really freaking quick, especially like we said, because this will really, we won't start feeling the effects of this until the fall season. So yeah. when you, when that fall season comes around um, September, October, November, when you start watching reruns that you've seen a million times, you're going to be like, okay, I'm fucking done with this. And like the entertainment industry as a whole could take massive, massive hits just from these couple of weeks that have already happened. So imagine if they go into that month or like the WGA did last time, 15 years ago, a hundred days. Imagine all the unions going on a hundred days. Yeah, no, it'd be, it would be so freaking detrimental, honestly, be, to Hollywood. It, it would be, it would be absolutely disastrous. Unemployment would just massively go up. I mean, remember guys, 95% of the industry, they're not Tom Cruise's. They're no. not, they're not, they're not making $20 million. These people are working project to project, paycheck to paycheck to feed their families. And being on strike for 90-something days, 100 days, is is hugely detrimental to those oh, yeah. people and trying to feed their families. So, I mean, yeah. And it's – okay, so it's not just I – want, I want to stress this because now I want to talk about this aspect of it. It is not just – the big players on big shows or on big movies working for studios. It is also us. 
It is small production companies. It is independent producers and independent directors. And we are being affected by it. We currently have a television series that we are trying to pitch. We have a streamer interested in such series who now won't even look at it because of the strike because they're not buying anything right now. We were directly affected. We were moving forward full steam ahead. We were directly affected by the strike causing us to now be delayed. We are moving forward ourselves by doing another film in between but could potentially be affected even more so because when we go to hire our crew – We could be seeing the effects of people not wanting to cross lines, not wanting to work in solidarity for people. Um, And when we go to cast, if we want to put a SAG actor in our film, we might not be able to because they're going to be on track. So it's not, it's affecting people like us as well. We've already seen the, the effects of it. It's messing with what we're trying to do. And we're just a small independent production company. So it's not just the big A-listers or the, you, the people that are working for studios. This is affecting literally everybody in the industry from where, no matter where you're at, LA, New York, Canada, all the way to North Carolina to bumfuck Egypt. If you are in the industry, if you are an up and comer or you are an established A-lister, you are being affected by these strikes. And it's just, it's insane. Yeah. And I do want to say too, that, you know, not every state is a union state. So that is something, but a lot of these states who don't have union actors in them, they're still standing in solidarity to where you're not even going to get those indie projects that are coming out there. Like you were just saying, or if you're any sort of unionized or just pay attention to the entertainment industry, these people are not going to participate because they want to stand together. And yeah, well, it's, yeah just- it's an excellent point because one of the biggest hubs now outside of LA is Georgia. Everything films in Georgia. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive I'm right. Georgia is a right to work state, mm-hmm. meaning. It doesn't matter if you're in a union or not. You have the right to work on any project. I guarantee you, right to work state or not, none of those people are crossing lines. They are all standing in solidarity. So it does affect states even where the union is not prevalent. It's going to affect them regardless. So it's just... I don't know. I hope that they can come. Just pay them fairly. Yeah. And this AI shit, it's terrifying. It it's is. absolutely terrifying. It's one thing to de-age somebody. It's another thing to put them into shit that they didn't agree to. Yeah. <laughs> because you agree- they agreed to be digitally photographed when they signed up for a show or something. That's fucking crazy. Exactly. You're going to put somebody in there, pay them. It just it seems ridiculous to me that this is even an issue. Exactly. Because I I mean, there's a whole lot of different things that are happening that they don't even necessarily want to have a conversation on. So that's why I think specifically with the WGA, we're a long way away from it being gratified and to be resolved because I just don't, I don't, they're on two completely different planets right now. And I just, it's very, it's very concerning as an entertainer to be able to try to figure this out because they do need to be contemplated. Contem- Whatever the fuck. Compensated. Compensated. (laughs) I'm so enraged by this. No, it's true. But yeah, they do need to be compensated properly because, I mean, a lot of us, you know, we do just go paycheck to paycheck, project to project. So it's very important that, you know, we feel like we we get what is owed to us because – 
let's admit it. There is a lot of times that you do stay past your time to put in that after work because we love this. This is our passion. We have so much fun doing it. But at the same time, if you're not going to adequately pay the person who is putting in that time, putting in that effort for a potential award-winning project, then what are we doing? What like you need to give recognition where recognition is due. So it's it's something very crazy. And yeah, because there's a lot of states like Texas, for example. Our guest this week, Rob McCollum, he's in Texas, and that is also a non-union state. So he is standing in solidarity with, you know the WGA and everybody that's, uh, it's just, it's an absolutely insane thing. And I, I think it's inevitably, inevitably going to happen. So, I mean, it's something that um, could, could affect all of us in one way or another for, yeah, for months to come. And look, I, I just want to kind of wrap it up with, with this. If you don't think that these are real concerns, I, I tell you to download chat GPT and tell it to write something. Mm. If you don't think it's a real concern for the writers, get the app and tell it to write something and watch your face fucking drop to the floor. If you don't think it's real for the actors, look up deep fake on, on Google or, or, or YouTube or anywhere. Watch the fucking season finale when Luke shows up to get Grogu. That's fucking deep fake. That's not Mark Hamill, y'all. Yeah. That, that was deep fake. It's it's real, it's terrifying, and it is a legitimate concern. And if you don't believe so, look those things up and you'll see just how real the fear is that these people can be replaced that easily by technology. It's terrifying, and I just, I, you know, to wrap it all up, like I said, it is real. And if you don't believe so, educate yourselves. As we always tell everybody, educate yourself, inform yourself before you speak stupidly on a subject you know nothing about educate and learn and then we want to hear from you we want to hear from you what do you think about this because i think there's a huge misconception about the entertainment industry that everybody that works in this industry is rich yep we're all wealthy we all just get you know it's not true it's in fact it's just the opposite the vast majority 85 90 percent or more of the industry as i said earlier works job to job paycheck to paycheck that is the fact and, it, you know, if you think anything different, you're wrong. <laughs> you're, you don't know the people that you get up and walk out of the movie on, the people that scroll at the end that you pay no attention to. All those people are working job to job, paycheck to paycheck. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Yeah. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Woo! But, man, we, we get into a little bit of that with Rob McCollum. Uh, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. We, we, we promise you the rant is not real like we just did. But it's all good because we need to bring you that information. Like we said, if it's going down in Hollywood, we are talking about it. But now it is time for the one only Rob McCollum to yes. come on the show, talk a little bit about Reiner Braun and Stain and a couple of other things that he has been in. Man, this guy, honestly, it was one of my favorite recent interviews. Like, he was a fucking amazing guy. Oh, he's just, I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, he lights up when he talks about his work and what he does. You can see the pa you literally see the passion on his face, which is great because he's a voice actor and you never see his face. Exactly. So to be able to see this man light up when he's talking about what he does was just amazing. And I learned so much. I'm old school, guys. My anime was Battle of the Planets way back in the day, right? Fucking, I loved Battle of the Planets, G-Force. But that was well before Dragon 
Dragon Ball Z or Attack on Titan or all this modern day. So I learned so much about anime. If you're a big fan, I bet you didn't know some of the stuff, even if you are a big fan, that he clues us in on. Such an amazing interview. It really is, man. It really is. Well, here he is. Robert McCollum, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm glad there are no actual ants. I wasn't sure. <laughs> well, we, we, we can guarantee no ants. We can't guarantee no, no crazy because it's, it's in the name. Okay, it's that's, fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I love it, though. I love it, man, because I'm super excited. Me and all my friends and a lot of people online, are. It, it's really the time to be an anime fan. So they're going to be super excited that the one and only one, Stain, and freaking Rydabron is on the show from Attack on Titans, man. It's going to be wild. Uh, we just thank you for your time today, and it's going to be a lot of fun. For sure. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you, you know, we there, we have such appreciation for voice actors, right? Not a lot of people, they, 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 there's this, like, thing. If they don't see you, what do you do, right, kind of a thing? But you guys are just – we've we've been so lucky to have several uh, voice actors on that have voiced these significant characters on all these shows, be it whether it's when I was growing up or now when he was growing up. You know, there's a little bit of an age gap there. If you but, couldn't <laughs> tell. If you couldn't tell. But uh, so to, to have that and to see, like, oh, my gosh, my childhood wouldn't even be the same if not for this person, right? It's so cool to talk to you guys and hear about the process and, and, you know, and especially during COVID, right? Let's just jump right in because yeah, voice acting was, was so necessary because animation was about all anybody could do during that little stretch, right? You got Absolutely, the guys. Yeah. So, for, a, for a while there, when Sony owned Funimation mm-hmm. before Crunchyroll and all of that happened, um, at the... Funimation was the single producing entity for all of Sony globally for mm. a couple of months there. Wow. They were the only one putting out any new content. And I have to say, Funimation and now Crunchyroll was great at that time, really stepping up and saying, let's figure it out. Um, they sent out like preloaded iPads and microphones with software. Like a lot of us already had home booth set up, but it right. wasn't set where the engineer could work with it and you could really, so they figured it out. Someone spent 90 hours writing the, <laughs> the, the list of like, click on this button, then plug this button in and send it all to us and said, we're going to keep you guys working. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it, it really was the the actor's relief fund for, for almost a year, keeping a lot of us, because no, Truth be told, no one can make a, a full-time living as an anime dub actor. Right. Like, right. We all have other gigs. It's not It's not that lucrative. Uh, some For some people, those gigs are going to conventions and meeting with the fans, and that is kind of their full-time job. But everybody has five different side hustles, ten different side hustles, and a real job, and we're doing commercial stuff and that sort of thing. Um, and so for a while, all of that just went away. And so... So dubbing anime was kind of the lifeline. And then voiceover and commercial voiceover too. Because what happened was all the companies that had commercials, like Pizza Hut has, you know, massive commercials already in the can that they now cannot show. Because it shows happy families sitting in a restaurant eating the pizza. Right. Nope, that's not going to work. So they all went to like, still and they couldn't shoot anything new. Like you couldn't do a commercial video shoot because you couldn't have people on set. Right, right. So, so it was 
quick, find some stock footage of pizza and then we're going to revoice it. <laughs> and so voiceover actors suddenly got really busy in that time. And all of us were just in our closets saying, in these unprecedented times, <laughs> we're all in this together. I can't tell you how many times, either on auditions or commercial jobs, that I said the phrase, we're all in this together <laughs> oh, yes. over the course of those 19 months. You were feeling like there was 7,500 people in the closet with you. Like, yeah, what is exactly. going on? <laughs> yes. You know, I love Unlike them. most acting careers, voiceover acting put me back in the closet, right? <laughs> I love, though, that you brought up, you know, that that you have other gigs, you have other things that you're doing or whatever, because there's this, I think, for whatever reason, this, I don't know, misconception associated with the entertainment industry that anybody works in our industry, we all are rich. We all have money. Right. We're all living the like the, the, the good life. And the fact is, is that 90% or more of everybody in the entertainment industry, unless you're the Tom Cruises and stuff, we're exactly. all going job to job, paycheck to paycheck, trying to scrape it together. So I love when people come on and say, hey, man, I've got a day gig. I've got to do this and do this and do this. Yeah. Like, because we all do. And, and you know, the goal is to eventually get maybe Tom Cruise money. But, hey, you know, we get to make the living and do what we're doing. So thank you for the honesty and for the approach of saying, hey, guys, this is how it really is. Well, and before the anime conventions became so prevalent, and those are huge now, and those are kind of a a career path by themselves, right. a separate separate route. But those didn't exist. I mean, I've been doing this since nineteen ninety eight. Whoa, okay. <laughs> um, so, and, and there were not conventions, or if they were, they were in you know a, a, a university commons room with yes. other people in Minnesota somewhere and uh, <laughs> we're not lucrative and the the sale of autographs and merchandising and the cameo stuff none of that existed and also nobody cared about the dub actor right like, exactly let's be honest, mm -hmm. you talked about growing up on anime but all of us that watched anime in the early days if we were real fans we watched the sub the sub yeah yep. I'm fine with admitting that I'm a dub actor I can admit most people who are true fans in the early days only watch the sub. But some things changed. Um, the streaming was a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Because it used to be just DVDs. You know, you'd yeah. go into Best Buy or Fry's or wherever and get the DVD. And the English language track was like a thing that had to be there. Right. Yeah. It was like an add-on that the company distributing it just made and maybe didn't spend any money on and didn't put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> But as the as the industry grew and as streaming grew, suddenly people are watching it on their screen while they're doing their homework, while they're Instagramming, while they're ironing or whatever. You can't read the subtitles while you're doing that. Exactly. So over the last, I would say, six years, the importance of the dub mm -hmm. and the prominence of the dub became a lot more prevalent. And so, you know. Funimation and Crunchyroll and the companies that did that started really working hard to say like, okay, this is an original art form. We can't just think about this as an add-on and started bringing in really good writers and really talented directors. And I will tell you the directors are the most important cog in that entire machine in terms of getting a, a solid dub out. We can talk more about that process later, but, but people that really cared about it and said, we're gonna make this its own thing and a standalone thing, so now there are people that have seen Attack on Titan and that are huge fans that have never watched the, the Japanese. Right. That watch My Hero Academia and know me from Stain and have never watched it. And you get a lot of people that come up and be like, hey, I love this show. I love it. 
I've never heard your voice before, <laughs> which is fine. I totally get that. Um, but because of the of the nature of streaming content and how people watch it, this, the 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 English dubs have become a lot more prevalent and a lot more important to people, and so the fan base has really grown. And then also the anime conventions are everywhere now. Oh, everywhere, it's one in Texas. I have I don't do a lot of them. I haven't over the past several years, just because, like you said, real jobs and other things. I right. haven't had the chance. I came back to do one of my first ones post COVID and there were 15,000 people there. Oh my goodness. I'm like, Oh, this world has changed. Right. This is a different thing. And there's a huge hunger for it. People want to come out and want to see and meet these people and also buy and sell and trade and the vendor boost that went on for like five acres in this conference room with artwork and things. Yeah. It was amazing. But that kind of is a, a new entry that was not there in in the 2000s when I was doing this. Oh, I love it though because you brought up so much stuff and I the multitasking. <laughs> I should stop the, and let it's you guys. All good, no. It's all good. We you we are a it. voice guy. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but like the multitasking is like such a big thing for me specifically because I'll throw on a show and like fold some laundry or you know clean the room up or do all do the dishes like all of these different things. So that is definitely something that is. Uh, Helped me along the way. Uh, so I appreciate all you dub actors. I always give you guys your credit. Um, but then there's also like, there's kind of a civil war, right? Between the dub people and the sub people. Like the sub people will really hardcore look at the people who watch the English version like in a way like you're not a true fan like you just brought up like in the 90s it is crazy and i i think it's hilarious i love the back and forth dialogue about the situation so that's always so much fun um but i will I would, also say it's like if you start in one or the other right it doesn't matter how good the other version is yeah. it's gonna sound wrong to you <laughs> exactly no, oh that's great like point. If, if, if i watch the japanese first and then i watch the american and it's friends of mine it's people i know they're doing great jobs right i'm like yeah no, it doesn't sound right because i identified it originally with it it's kind of like when you read the book like you read game of thrones or you watched game of thrones right and you had a very different view in your mind so it's kind of i think where you start a lot of people will stay there. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's different too for, cause we were talking about sub versus dub, but we're also talking about like the actual television show versus the manga. Like people sure. hardcore, like, oh, it, I mean, it's the same, like you just talked about. If you read the book and you watch the TV show, there's little things that you nitpick that you're like, okay, this didn't show up here. Or this didn't show up there. Um, but I do have some fan questions for you. <laughs> I just wanted right, to uh, throw that out there. It is from my friend Jacob, and he, you may okay. not know any of these things, but I just wanted to throw those out there. And um, t- I told him I would do this, basically. Um, so it's basically specifically for Attack on Titan. And he says, the ending to Attack on Titan is very controversial. Obviously, you can't spoil anything. All right, hold on. Spoilers <laughs> for anyone that's watching. Let's just say this right now. We're jumping into the ending of Attack on Titan. Right. Yes. Two. Fast forward what? The- I mean, you wave your hands really big when we're done talking about this. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, Obviously, it's very controversial, very spoil. Don't spoil anything, but have you read the ending, or do you know anything that happens about it? Like, do you know how controversial it is? I have not read it, Mm. and that is specific by design. And it actually happened when I – it's happened on on several shows, but Mike McFarlane is the director of this – uh, the English dub of Attack on Titan. And I think it's, in my mind, one of the, the best 
ensemble piece. Like, I think he's done an incredible job from start to finish. And it is a testament to his level of detail and his love for the project. So mm -hmm. I guarantee you, he has read every page. He has right. seen every frame. <laughs> he knows everything. But he was really adamant early on. I don't want you to know until you know. Mm. I don't want you to play things that might be true before the audience is supposed to know that. Right. I don't want. And so when I was cast as Reiner Braun, he said, yeah, he's kind of quiet. He's just a big, gruff dude. He's one of the he's one of the team. Mm -hmm. and, one of the scouts. Uh, yeah. Maybe has a crush on Annie. That's right. all you need to know. <laughs> so when we're but and I was very he was trying to keep me in the dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but. I then started getting a whole lot of response. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I can't believe you're Reiner. Rob McCollum is Reiner. This is the I was getting interview requests. And I'm like, this dude has like five lines. <laughs> Why does anyone care about Reiner? Uh, so I knew something was up. But then when the reveal happens and, and I find out I get to voice, because we actually get to voice the Titans as well. Oh, like, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. As much as it is affected and and ver verbally altered uh it is our voices so the first time that i got to do that i'm like wait what <laughs> no, wait, that's i'm wait that's me. what <laughs> right it was a lovely gift and there are those gifts all along the way and then i thought like okay he's the bad guy he's mm -hmm. the asshole right he's the villain of the piece not knowing that eventually you're gonna find out more and then you're gonna get a sympathetic side and then by the end he is the you know Broken, shattered shell right. of a man, overwhelmed by his guilt, and kind of, in some people's opinion, the emotional core of mm -hmm. the show. Yeah, and none of that I knew ahead of time, which I think is a huge gift from the director, because you can't you can't play it until you you know if you, you don't want to you don't want to wink you don't want to ever right. look like I'm actually a bad guy. <laughs> you wouldn't think there's much you can do just vocally one line at a time, but there actually are. It changes the way you approach a character. So Mike is one of the directors that is very solid about that. There have been a, a, a several shows where I ended up being like the closet hero or the closet bad guy. Right. And didn't know. And it was kind of great. I loved I loved those surprises. Um, I think fans are sometimes upset that we like don't voraciously read the manga. Right. But also <laughs> things may not show up in the anime that are in the yeah, manga. Yeah, that's true too. And so I don't want to be talking about storylines that – the audience that I'm at the con with doesn't know what I'm talking about because that, oh yeah, that's right. That was manga, not in the, in the thing. Exactly. Well, you know, I like that though. I like that <laughs> approach because, you know, basically it mirrors Braun himself because he's basically plucked from childhood and destined to become this warrior and this badass in this epic battle, you know, not knowing that that's the path. And so I love the idea, the approach that you don't know where the guy is headed, what's coming, because that's the reality of this guy's whole life becoming what he becomes is is uh, so the whole idea that you along with the character are living this path that that he's yeah. going on that's awesome that's what i was about to say Not it's like you're growing with like them. the audience yeah <laughs> we're, we're we're discovering things when the audience does yeah exactly but also reiner has been a puppet for somebody else's game for his whole life yep. which is just like me in the booth just doing <laughs> <laughs> talk about that relatability that's there. right <laughs> That's so funny. And then the second and final question is the story and mystery is uh, very vital to uh, Attack on Titan. Were you ever spoiled about the big story moments, which I'm guessing not, especially did no, you know that was, was going to be uh, 
did you know what was going to be revealed about your character in season two? Um, I, I again, like I said, I had a little hint that something was coming. Right. And just because of the amount, like when an LA radio show called and wanted an interview <laughs> with me about Reiner, I'm like, I, and I think I'd done one episode at that time. And we don't get them ahead of time. Like we come in and see the scene we're recording and oh, we, wow. don't even, we don't even get to see the rest of the show. Right. That episode until, until weeks later when it comes out or when it's online. Uh, although I say weeks now, it's sometimes three days. Yeah, exactly. Turnaround time. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing that has changed. I'll do a switch, short diversion on that, but that's another thing that's massively changed because it used to be when it was DVD land, you'd come in and do an entire season. You'd do three days yep. and you'd do 20 episodes or how many episodes it was and you'd be done and it wouldn't even come out into the world six months until a year later. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you did these massive chunks of time and then when what they call simuldub – which is that the dub tries to come out within a week mm -hmm. of when the Japanese airs, mm -hmm. um, which in, in is partially just for the fans who are anxious for it and also to help combat pirating and the pirated subtitled versions being out there and that sort of thing. They got really serious of like, okay, we're going to try to stay up. To so you will come in sometimes as an actor on a show and have two lines and you'll have no idea and sometimes if it's not based on a manga, most of them are, but if it's not based on a manga, the director may not even know. Oh, wow. Like, I don't know if this is just a guy who waltzes through or if he is going to be the big bad by the time we get to see episode six. Right. So, um, which it, it kind of makes it fun and exciting, but you come in for 10 minutes and then you're done and you don't have no idea. So instead of coming in for giant blocks of time, it also made it harder a little while for new voice actors to break in mm. because this is a two-line actor and normally a two-line part goes to somebody new that's trying to earn their way and prove their thing right but if the director has to worry that that two-line actor might be the five episode arc mm -hmm. coming up later that nobody knows about yet except japan all right i'm gonna call in rob or i'm gonna call in Aaron Roberts or Ian Sinclair or somebody that I know can handle heavy lifting down the road in right. case, which is why sometimes you'll just see random things like Chris Sabat is man number five screaming help on a platform. Right, right. Because you never know. to be in the studio that day. <laughs> yeah. And also that might be a major character later. I love it. And I have to say, because I'm rewatching the first season right now, and one of my favorite lines from you that first season, and you don't have many, like you were saying, is <laughs> you were chasing after a, a Titan, and you were like, she's got a pretty nice ass for an abnormal. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, they throw these curveballs at you sometimes that you're just not expecting, and it just, it cracks me up so much. And I think that's what's so, like, great about anime because I feel like, you know, you are able to take chances where you're not able to take chances on some regular television show or movies. So I feel like, you know, you are able, it's such a dramatic piece, but then you can't throw in that comedy. So well, an attack really took the the chance to say we're going to be a little bit undefinable about what our age. Yeah, range. exactly. Is this TV 14 plus like we don't know like it's. Because it, it kept changing and, right. and things were happening. But in the, in the beginning, people were like, oh, there's a bunch of naked babies wandering <laughs> right. around the countryside. Yeah. Can I let my kid watch this? Exactly. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> how old is your kid? Yeah. How cool is your kid? <laughs> I mean, I think so. I think it's okay. But um, yeah, I, I, and that's the other thing with anime, especially for, for 
when we deal with muggles, which is what we call people outside of the world that yes. don't understand what what anime is all about, like this is not a, a kids medium. This is an everything medium. There are shows for every age group. Just like is Netflix a kids medium? No, it's an everything medium. You can find stuff that they absolutely will love and stuff that they absolutely should not see. Like that's the same is true of anime. Like if you want an anime about the detailed inner workings of a Japanese inner insurance firm, you can find that you in can. a manga. <laughs> yeah. um, or about worlds exploding and, you know, power balls and all that kind of thing. For all sure. of it. I absolutely love it. And as a father of two, um, do either of your children watch anime, specifically ones that you have been in? They very rarely. Yeah. I mean, again, anything <laughs> your parents do is not cool. That's true. That's yep. true. Like, That's you true. have to disregard it. Um, when they were young... Uh, Hatalia and Sergeant Frog yeah. were, were players that they were excited that I was involved in, mainly because their friends were watching it. For sure. Um, but then they they really had no interest. And it's only when they got to college, especially my daughter, who's in college in Boston, yeah. has uh, fans, you know, friends who are huge anime fans. Nice. And so now suddenly, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> I'll get a call. <laughs> She'll be like, hey, do the voice for these people and put me on speakerphone. And never before have, have they been interested. The one thing, the, the thing that they were usually most likely to brag about with their friends was that I was on the voice. I was the voice of one of the Boppet versions. <laughs> oh, okay. The okay. Bop it, twist yeah. It, flick it. Yeah. And that's the thing that they have 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 bragged about for years. <laughs> that's only hilarious. Recently, only recently has anime started to matter in their social circle. Well, I, I'll tell you, you can just see the pure enthusiasm and passion and joy on your face when you're talking about it and what you get to do. And, and, and I love that because I, I feel like anytime that you're in this industry, you've got to have a passion for it because it can be a pretty rough industry sometimes if you don't have the passion for it and absolutely love what you do. And I want to kind of talk about that a little bit because – We've got some stuff going on in the industry right now with the writer's strike, and it sure looks like if you hear the talk and the rumblings in the background that maybe actors and directors are going to be joining that strike pretty soon when their contracts start to come up in the next month or so. Um, so we've already had some guests on that talk about – with the with the digital world now, they're basically the you know when they step on set, the first thing they do is go into this semi and they're digitally created, you know, with thousands of cameras. And they're told basically that they're doing that so that they can place them wherever they want to, whenever they want to, uh, down the line. And, right. you know, and we've had one of our guests said, um, do we get paid if you place us somewhere, like kind of a thing? You know, and everybody was joking on, shut up, shut up. But, and we recently we had um, James Earl Jones, the legend, you know, sign over the rights to his voice right for them yeah. to be able to recreate his voice from old recordings to move forward with Darth Vader so I'm curious with the whole AI debate going on right now and the creation of them writing scripts or the digital de-aging and and basically creating people that aren't there in, in these shows are you nervous about the industry shift that way to where as a voice actor they can say, hey, we've got enough of this guy over the years. We can recreate sure. this voice anytime we want to now. Maybe it's time we start allowing the technology to do these voices instead of the real people. Are you nervous about that and towards the push in the industry? Definitely am. I mean, it's it's definitely already within their possibility. Right. I mean, they I, I 
we talk about side jobs and real jobs. Mm -hmm. One of my other jobs is that I write uh, training about IT security. Oh, wow. And one of the series that we write is called The Inside Man. And it's just for companies. Companies use it to do their training. But it's like a Netflix style series yeah. um, that we shoot in the UK. And we're talking about deep fakes and AI and those kind of things. So I look at these things a lot through that world. And the, the capability is already there. Yeah. I mean, you you need anywhere from five to 20 minutes of, of, of a person's voice to be able to do a credible audio deep fake. And there's probably 300 hours of my voice. Right, right. Here's there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I don't think the the anime dub actor world would ever be able to truly like unionize and demand the rates that a first a first run actor would get uh, uh, to do it because the scripts are there, the voices are there, and they even have the model of the Japanese. You can tell an AI to say. Have Rob McGollum's voice say this with the same level of intensity that this Japanese actor said it and make it fit the flaps. Oh and then I can figure that out already. So so if I came in and said, I'm going to triple the rates that I demand for my services, <laughs> right. that would be that, that would be, uh, yeah, AI Rob real quick. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I think the real way forward that it's going to go for for on-camera actors for voiceover for animation is that it is going to be much harder to get the smaller roles and if you are the james earl jones of the world or even the brian cranston's there will be this rate if you want brian cranston to voice your ford commercial there will be this rate if you want the rights to the ai recreation of brian cranston mm. and he will still get paid an amount for that and the unions will fight over that it's going to take forever to figure that out we yeah. think that we think the writer strike right now over streaming rights is going to get ugly. When it comes down to determining those rates, it's going to be a weird and ugly battle. But I think that's what it's going to have to come down to. Agreed. Because they can put anyone anywhere in anything right now. And eventually you're going to have an agent for yourself. And then you're going to have an agent for your virtual self. Mm. And you're going to have an agent for your virtual voice. And those will be... Put out there just like the licensing firm that licenses like music yeah they want to play an eminem track in a thing they have to pay a certain amount if they want someone else to sing that eminem track they pay a different amount there'll be a scale for whether it is real rob mccollum or virtual rob mccollum um uh and i have no idea I, and i think i think for a lot of a lot of ways it's going to mean that the the top tier is going to continue to make tons of money but mm -hmm. the amount of money that the rest of the world makes is going to get shrunk smaller and smaller and smaller yeah it's a very interesting situation because i mean it, it feels like a lot of things are being pushed towards like the quote-unquote freelance gig right or at least that's what they're talking yeah. about with the writers and I, it's terrifying because that's when you come to think about healthcare. That's when you come to think about, you know, like when you pass on, how will all of this continue to go on with your estate and like all of these different things. So that's why, yeah, it's very interesting. And yeah, I, the last strike was a hundred days. I feel like this will at least get to that and maybe even further than that with the streaming. So I don't know. It's well, you be just brought up a really good point because most of these unions have like 
guidelines and a certain amount of time that you have to put to qualify for the benefits, yeah. right, for your health care and stuff. And if you're right. drastically reducing the amount of time that you're able to work, you're basically telling these people the likelihood of you qualifying to get enough time to get your health care is going to be hard. And, and so, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely – I can mm. see why the unions are fighting because the unions are like, well, well they have to work that why, much. You know, Everyone railed against socialized medicine or government funded, uh, you know, like like they have in the UK, a national health service where everyone had a minimum level of health care provided for them and said this was all, you know, this is wrong and socialization, all that. But it it changes the argument. It does. In these union things, if like, oh, I have health care, so I can now be a little freer on the kinds of jobs and the kind of contracts I take. But but like Texas is a is a is a non-union state, is a right to work state. Right. So I am not a union member, but I support um the union causes because so many of my actor friends and, and projects that I work on are. Um, but the fact that they they made healthcare an employer's problem changes all of these contract negotiations yep. across across the, the board. But also that idea that they've gone to the 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 chunk buyout, like we're going to pay you X hundred or X thousand or X tens of thousands of dollars right. for this project. And then you will never make any more. And if this becomes the number one thing on Netflix for 10 years running, you're, you're done and you're out. That's what they're trying to do to the writers and some of the producers and directors. And so that's why I knew this was coming. I work a lot in the UK. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we're trying, we're wondering if this is going to mean there's all of a sudden a big demand for UK products right. on Netflix and Amazon because nothing new is coming out of the US right now. Yeah, that's a good it point. Not for a while. Yeah, that that's a very good point. Really? Yeah, Absolutely. a lot of BBC stuff cuz I mean we already have that transition into like a lot of BBC stuff is very popular over here. So I mean oh, to yeah. mass quantify it some that, of my favorite stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, see, that's why I love talking to like-minded individuals because you bring up different aspects that we just haven't thought about before. Um, so that's that's a great, great thing. Um, I see you are a hockey fan. Yes. What, what, what is your favorite hockey team? I'm always I am a secure. Dallas Stars fan. Okay, okay. Uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but we are in <laughs> round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs Yes, yes. Right yes, yes. We have, a, we have a great team, and I've... I have been a Stars fan for a long time. I kind of uh, drifted out of, of watching as much. And then my girlfriend is a huge Stars fan. So she's got me back on the wagon. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Have you ever suited up? Have you ever played or just lifelong fan? Uh, lifelong fan. No, I grew up in Arkansas. There was not there. Not a lot of frozen. Pods. Yeah, not a lot of frozen. Yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah, I knew nothing about hockey until I moved to Dallas nice. back in the 90s, which is when we made our first run to the playoffs with Mike Madonna. Yeah. yeah. Was a huge fan then and got into it. And then and then when they went on strike, again, <laughs> strikes happened and they took a season and a half off. Yeah. And I kind of drifted away and let other things happen. So it's taken a while to come back. But yeah. I'm, a, but that's I'm awesome. a big fan of, of the stars. Um, and just hockey in general. I think it's one of my favorite sports to see live. Yeah. Oh, without like, doubt. Basketball is a fun game to go to, but also it's cool to have the replays and be on TV. Football, I would much rather watch on TV because yeah, agreed. it's pretty slow and you need the commentator keeping the action going. For the Whenever my British friends come over to watch American football, they're like, oh, this is going to be cool. Wait, why did everybody stop? <laughs> <laughs> we walk around for like two minutes. Oh, okay, we're back. Okay, good. 
and everybody stopped again. What's yeah, happening? right. Yeah. <laughs> so I would prefer football on television because I need all the distractions and the commercials and the replays. But hockey, to see the ice and see what's happening and see, you know, the line change that didn't happen. So the right. guy that got <laughs> oh, yeah. Another minutes that you can't see on the TV screen because they're following the puck. Yeah, it's it's great. It's amazing. And and if you're lucky enough to be down, you know, seat level on the on the glass. And, and mean, the co don't uh, make it uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but to see a guy get slammed into the glass right in front of you or the puck coming right at you, there's no feeling like that. It's like, holy crap, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and just I was lucky enough to play. I played for a little bit and, and I was in the net and and Patrick Waugh was my guy. So like, oh, I, sure. yeah, fouled before they were the avalanche, you know, just fouled him over and, and it's like, but yeah, the game is exhilarating and, and, and to be able to, yeah, huge fan myself. And, uh, it, it's one of the I best was an games. Eddie Bell for man, but that's okay. No, hey. <laughs> yes. So you have to know though, as a fan, one of the, one of the greatest games I've ever seen with two guys in the net was Van Be- Beesbrook with the Panthers and Waugh. That's finals where they were just went into like so many overtimes. I literally started watching it i think it was like at 7 30 at night and it didn't end until like 3 30 in the morning because like they, they just changed the overtime rules because of be, that game yeah they, they just like, neither one would give up a money until three in the morning <laughs> we gotta end this thing they were just insane i mean they're standing on the head just would not give up a goal and it was just incredible man it was incredible then they started changing rules like okay we'll go to Three at four on four, and then three on three, and then <laughs> yeah. goalie against goalie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you can't leave the net. You got to shoot from your net and hope the guy gets in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. And I also and wanted there's to. There's icing. So if you miss the goal, you have to do a face off. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. my goodness. We have just lost so many anime fans. <laughs> they're like, they're, they're, they're like wait a minute. Hockey. He's anime and sports? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Well, something else I also wanted to bring up. Uh, we also have a uh, broadcast journalism background. I saw you did as well. Um, so that's that's very interesting. What made you... Uh, what? I, I will say broadcast journalism in quote yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was i was the host of good morning texas in <laughs> dallas for a couple of years yeah that is i'll call that journalism adjacent yeah, okay okay <laughs> that's a lot of like morning show chefs and dance troops and original uh you know and then Paid segments where the bariatric surgeon is talking about his stomach <laughs> and, yeah. probiotics. <laughs> You're like, kind of, kind of, sort of. I was really oh just gosh. paid to talk they, to people. They definitely hired an improv comedy guy to do that job as opposed to a real journalist because there was so much needing to act like you were really excited about party playing. Right. <laughs> Fireproof siding or whatever. <laughs> okay, that's so You're local funny. television, they, man. You gotta yeah. love but, local television. But that's also when when I got to to meet some of the stars because our studio was right next to where the stars played, and yeah. so we meet people and got to meet Mike Madonna once. I got to meet C three PO. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, that's Daniels awesome. Daniels when he came in and Jackie Chan. So. As much of a beating as getting up at four in the morning for Rough. two years was it, yeah. was, it was cool at times to get to to meet some of those people. Very cool. I love it. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show and getting a little crazy with us. It was an absolute pleasure of ours. If you ever want to come back on the show and just shoot the shit or come back on to promote anything, you are more than welcome. Um, awesome. Yes. The only thing I would say is Psychopaths, which is one of my favorite shows that not a ton of people got on board with. Uh-huh. Uh, 
there is a there are two new movies coming out. Okay. One streaming and one maybe later even in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. So if you are a psychopaths fan, I just found out about that and I'm super super excited that Kogami is coming back. So oh hell yeah, that's fantastic. awesome. That's my only plug. It doesn't help me financially at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, it's all about social media now. So do you have any handles for anybody to follow? I, sadly, I'm so bad. Other than my Rob McCollum uh, Instagram, I, I have a, a Facebook fan page. Okay. Which I think I'm only seven people left in the world that have. <laughs> but there's a Robert McCollum voiceover uh, Facebook fan page. I love awesome. it. Okay. I love Trying it. Trying to get better about posting things on and doing things too. Where you're going to have two new I one of my kids to just do my social media feed. That's the way. Yeah, there, there you go. That's smart, man. That's smart. But listen, thank you so much again. Take care and we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Nice to talk to you guys. All right. All right. See Bye. you later. All right. Just another fun freaking show, man. Yeah. I absolutely love when they get into a little bit of the personal life and, and like, the, his knowledge about what was going on with AI and the unions and all that because he happens to do IT security yeah, work on the side, right? So you never know where you get that insight yeah. from to know. So who knows doing these videos for IT security that he's going to get such insight to literally what's going on in his in his union with the, with the acting and stuff like that going on right now. It's so incredible. Exactly. I absolutely love it. Thank you again, Rob, for coming on the show. All right. Now it is time for the the top five segment man and this one's very interesting yes stay 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 um stay stay with me stay with me uh, <laughs> best actors slash actresses cast against known for type roles so basically we're looking for roles that an actor takes that is different from what they normally do what their normal genre is this one was very freaking hard because a lot of actors like to jump back and forth you know i mean one that i really like it was hard not to do but i mean he's shifted so much into the other direction which was steve carrill oh I, know, I got him yeah, yeah he's, like, he's there he's there uh sorry about blowing that for you guys <laughs> no 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 but but there's a reason and i and i, and I think my film that i chose for it is he, i think it, that was the start one I yeah think that it, was the that's start. the start it was nothing but comedy prior to this film and yeah. now it seems like he's doing nothing but nothing drama but 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 i chose that one we will we will um number five for me is mark Wahlberg in the other guys oh which is a comedy with will ferrell if you guys haven't seen it mark Wahlberg is actually freaking hilarious and i don't feel like he gets enough recognition or even opportunities to do more comedies because i mean if you even think about the other movie that he did with will ferrell the one where he's like the the real dad and right will ferrell's the stepdad those comedies he is absolutely hilarious and i mean i feel like you know, he feels most comfortable with Will Ferrell. It's what it seems like. Um, but just, of course, he's a great dramatic actor, great action-packed guy, but he can also make you laugh out of your seat. So if you guys haven't seen The Other Guys, it's slapstick comedy. It's stupid humor, but it is a phenomenal, fun time. And Mark Wahlberg just makes me crack up 
every single time. So that's why he, he's had to go on my list. And, of course, he's one of our favorite actors. Oh, so, without doubt. I mean, he's so versatile. Um, but, yeah, number five for me, Mark Wahlberg and the other guys. Well, and one of my favorite movies of all time for his was – um the I and forgive me because I can't remember the name of it to save my life, even though it was one of my – is the one with him and Rose Byrne with the adoptive kids when they're trying mm. to adopt a family. In, instant family. Instant family. Yeah. So fucking so good. good. It's so funny. It's a comedy, and there's yeah. a lot of comedy in it. But there's just that touch of drama that he brings to it that makes it real and, yeah. and kind of it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant, but it's he's great. hilarious throughout the yeah. whole thing. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. So good pick, good pick. My number five is Renee Zellweger mm. as Judy Garland in Judy. Mm. Now, Renee, it was like, you know, you're talking Jerry Maguire, the, the Bridget Jones diaries and, and like all that kind of stuff. Known for romantic comedies and, and, and comedy, love story, kind of goofy stuff, right? Well, Judy Garland, if you know the tragic story of Judy Garland, anything but a comedy. I mean, this was a tragic story of a beloved actress who went through just terrible times, ended up becoming a pill addict and a drunk and and you know, dying young. And, and I was blown away at Renee Zellweger's performance as Judy Garland. There's a reason why she was nominated for an Oscar for it. It was unreal. I, at, at no point ever are you even thinking about Jerry Maguire. You lose all of Renee and it's Judy. It was that powerful. And I think it's it, there was a risk there because she has done these movies and then she disappeared for a little while and everybody's like, where is she? What's she doing? Is she going to make a big cut? There was talks of another Bridget die. Uh, you know, uh, is it Bridget Jones? I think it's Bridget Jones. Yeah. The um, one with uh, Hugh Grant. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. Um, uh, and if it's not, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, but <laughs> there was talks of another one of those. And like, so everybody was waiting for the big comeback in the kind of comedy, romantic comedy space. And it was Judy. Yeah. And they were like, holy shit. Whoa. But, she was phenomenal. I was just literally blown away. I, I And when they first announced it, I was like, Renee Zellweger? Mm. Like, no fucking way. Yeah. But I was wrong. Way fucking way. She nailed it. And it was, it was, if you haven't checked it out, it's disturbing. It is. It is. Um, it, it goes deep into Judy Garland's troubled past and life. And uh, it's kind of really sad, but unbelievable performance by Renee Zellweger. So for sure. Good pick, man. Good pick. Number four for me goes to Melissa McCarthy in the starling. Now, if you guys haven't seen this one, basically she loses a child she is a a potential mother or a mother who loses a child, I should say. And just the dramatic take that, you know, that, that, that's so relevant to, a lot of women, a lot of women can connect to that because there's so many women who have mixed miscarriages or babies who die of SIDS like my mother did. And like, it's just all of these, all of these different things that women can relate to in this film. And you always got that little bit of, you know, dramatic takes of from her when she does like, cause she's basically known for a lot of comedies. Um, but you always got those little dramatic takes from her when she was like in Gilmore girls and yeah. like, um, the kitchen, which was like a hard trying to be like a mobster movie. Um, but she, I feel like, you know, she doesn't get enough recognition. And again, like my number five, she doesn't get enough opportunities to play those dramatic roles because she is absolutely phenomenal she had one that came out that um something something intelligence um basically where she kind of 
fell in love with AI. Um, yeah, it, it was yeah. on HBO Max. It was like an HBO Max original, uh, peak pandemic, and it was like it was a dramedy, you know. But I mean, it had those dramatic takes because she has those those powers, as you could say, to make people cry. And uh, I'm super excited to see what she does with Ursula because well, yes. I mean, you know, she she is a phenomenal actress, and I mean. That dramatic take and that evil take, because she's such a good person, that evil take on a character to see what she'll bring to the table. Yeah, no, that's exactly. It's another transition, right? Type against. she's So she's known for comedy. She was type against that with the drama. Now she's being a villain, yeah. which she's so. But I will say, I'm glad you brought up Gilmore Girls, because there were always hints of her dramatic flair. Mm-hmm. You knew she could pull off a dramatic role, because every now and then Suki would have something delicious to like oh, yeah. chew on dramatically and you could tell it was there so i'm glad somebody finally was like let's put this woman in a drama because mm-hmm. it was it was there needed to be speaking of <laughs> let's put this woman in a drama and everybody freaked the fuck out when they first they're like what no way don't do it you're insane but they did it anyway. I'm talking about the beloved Mary Tyler Moore in Ordinary People as Beth, Beth Jarrett. Look, guys, when the decision was made to cast Mary Tyler Moore in this role, people lost their shit. They're like, this is Mary Tyler Moore. This is fucking Dick Van Dyke show and the Mary Tyler Moore show. She's beloved Mary from comedies that everybody loves. Nobody wants to see her as this dark evil kind of like you hate her person they did it anyway and it was massively huge and successful like so to set it up it's basically it's about this family and uh, their eldest son dies tragically uh and the family goes into this like hole basically and they're all trying to move on but she becomes beth becomes very distant Mm. and closed off and 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 almost emotionless and people are like what a fucking bitch she Mm. does she doesn't she doesn't mourn the loss of her kid and she's treating her family like shit and it's like she doesn't even love them anymore and she's just like this mean cold person like a soulless person and you're thinking mary fucking tyler moore (laughs) heartless with no soul it's fucking impossible but holy shit she fucking nailed it and look I'm just going to be honest with you. If you know anything about Mary and her real life, um, she battled alcoholism and, and for quite some time battled alcoholism. It was a real problem. And she had a very turbulent life for a little while. And I think she brought a lot of that to the role. And I think that the, the people behind Ordinary People knew that. Mm-hmm. I think they were banking on that, that she was going to be able to bring some of that experience to this character. And it was a phenomenal performance. And for anybody out there that doesn't know, you maybe have heard me talk about this before. I was so blessed and fortunate to be able to talk to this woman and become friends with her for a little bit. And um, I- I'm just blown away. I It's still, we chatted about this very thing. She's like, what do you know me from? The Dick Van Dyke show? What do you, and I'm like, uh, ordinary people. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it was definitely type against cast and it was a huge success. So boom. For sure. There it is. Um, and number three for me, 
goes to Emma Stone, of course, going from Zombieland to The Help mm. and La La Land. And uh, Birdman, which I haven't yeah, seen oh, yet. Oh, my but, gosh. I mean, but, you yeah. know. Um, but she is such, she's so versatile as well because it's not only Zombieland, but she was starring in, like, those, those teenage comedies, you know, with... Uh, like Easy A, and I believe she was in Superbad, and like all of these different like teenage comedies, stoner flicks, different things like that. But then she she comes to the help. She comes to um, the favorite. She comes to La La Land, and just like knocks all of these roles out of the park to the point where you're like, okay, we need to start taking her more seriously. Like she can just. She can act her ass off, excuse my French, but you know, like, I mean, it's just an amazing thing to see that transformation in an actress that, you know, sometimes they only, they stick to that genre and then they fade away. But it's awesome to see the evolution of some amazing talent that comes from a certain place and continues to move towards something different. That's how you know they're going to have longevity in the entertainment industry because they're not afraid of a challenge and they're always moving forward like we talk about all the time. That's how you continue to grow and gain more success in this industry. So that's why Emma Stone at number three from comedy to these beautiful, amazing dramas and musicals for La La Land. Uh, I... I can't I can't disagree with any of that. Yeah. That was all I, I sincerely hope that you will watch Birdman. I want to. It's not on a streamer. Her, her performance in Birdman is unfucking believable. The only issue that I think you might have is that the majority of her scenes are with one of your favorite actors, Ed Norton. <laughs> yeah. And if you are a fan of the show, you know exactly what I mean by that. So but watch it anyway. Yeah. Watch it anyway, because it, it's it's freaking good. Yeah. Okay, my number three. Is is one that I think everybody was kind of like, what? And we talked about it. He kind of spoiled it for you at the top, but I'm <laughs> going to say it's Steve Carell. Yes. And the role that I chose and the movie that I chose is when he plays John DuPont from Foxcatcher. Mm. This is the – with Channing Tatum. Remember, it's this wrestling movie where he is like this – dark, disturbing coach that has this twisted fascination with the wrestler that goes, let's just say over the line, becomes a little bit more than it's supposed to. And it's just, it's a very dark, twisted, the makeup, the transformation that he makes physically in this movie, it's just, you have to double take. You're like, the first time you say, it's like, is that Steve Carell? Like, you don't, you have to even guess, is that him? Um, it's so dark and, and, and it's so, and prior to this, it's literally like Steve Carell is the office and from uh, Bruce Almighty, it was, you know, when he's playing the anchor. With, yeah, like that's all you, version. Like yeah, that. yeah. That's all you think. And then you see this movie and you're like, holy fuck, yeah. this guy's an actual actor this yeah. guy can act and it just seems like that was the launch pad for like all these most recently the patient oh, man. like oh my god if you so haven't good. seen that when he's like a therapist that gets kidnapped by his psycho patient and holy shit but he's just so dramatic now occasionally he'll pepper in a comedy somewhere every now and then but it's more dramatic roles now and i i love that i think this like you were just saying it's that growth uh -huh. it's showing that guys i am an 
actor and I can do all kinds of stuff, not just this. And I think, unfortunately, I think sometimes some of these actors think it's necessary to go against type because they've been typecast yeah. as you only do this or you only do that. And they're like, hey, woohoo, somebody fucking put me in something to show that I can do something different. Yeah. And thankfully, the people behind Foxcatcher are like, let's get Steve Carell to play this psychopath. Right. And it was brilliant. So yeah. sad part is that's a true story. Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. That's even more terrifying that it's true. Yeah. yeah. Check out that one. But yeah, I mean, so many hilarious ones like Anchorman. Oh, like, my God. That yeah. That's fucking... like, oh, my gosh. That scene where he's just. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, again, Will Ferrell with that slapstick humor, man. He's so good. Um, number two for me, I got the name wrong on our. <laughs> that's thing. what I was looking yeah, at. I'm like, I this got the name. Right? I realized it. But number two for me goes to Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Yes. That movie blew me away. This guy, like, I mean, he's known for all of his Happy Madison production, which is like some of the best comedies of all time. Let's be honest about it. I mean, you got Waterboy, you have uh, Billy Madison, you have like all of these different things, 51st Dates, all these different things. But then you got this one, which is just this nonstop thrill ride of like, let's be honest about it, not really a good guy, but you wanted no, to yeah. win because his family are good people and you're just like, just be a family guy. Quit fucking throwing your fucking money away at like sports bets. But like, and he gets involved with the mob and like loan sharks and like all this different stuff. And, and KG! So freaking good, man. Like I... I it was an amazing movie. I was, uh, I believe, it was nominated for one of the Oscar categories. It I don't was. remember which one. Um, but it leads him into um, another movie called Hustle, I believe, the yeah. basketball one on Netflix. That's a really good drama as well. But I wanted to just stick to this one because it was such that dramatic twist that really no one was expecting. And I mean, they shot this thing a while ago and then like to finally be able to put it out there and people were blown away. And our theater that we went to was like packed with a whole bunch of different age demographics. And like it was, and it was amazing things to see. So, I mean, goes down as one of the best comedians of all time, but he is a brilliant dramatic actor as well. So Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's another one, too. And I'm being horrible at remembering names <laughs> today. But uh, he started it with uh, Jennifer Garner. And mm. it was a dramatic. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was very, very good movie. If you can find that one, it's really good, too. Oh, man, my number two terrified me. Literally terrified me. I'm talking about beloved Mork from Mork and Mindy. I'm talking about Good Morning Vietnam. I'm talking about Patch Adams. I'm talking about like just all of the amazing comedic, yet sometimes dramatic roles, right? Like with Patch and 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 if um Robin Williams, we know him, we love him. We know he's one of the best comics of all time, right? We saw the drama with Dead Poet Society. But he's basically always a good guy. Goodwill hunting. He's like a good guy, you know. And then there's this movie, One Hour Photo, where old Robin plays Seymour. Holy shit. He is one of the most terrifying on-screen villains I've ever seen and played brilliantly by Robin Williams. This is a guy who's basically an old guy, like maybe late 50s, early 60s. He's been working at a like a mall photo booth for like, you know, processing place for like ever. And he 
basically stalks all the people by looking through their photos as he's developing and everything. And he becomes obsessed with this one family and like overly obsessed with this. And he starts having a, like a, a, a relationship with them and like very friendly with them and everything. And then the husband, like, I guess, I guess the best way mistreats the wife. And Seymour's having no fucking part of that. And he exacts revenge on, tries to take over the family because he's basically in love with this woman and her family. And, and it's, he's psychotic. I mean, when he's alone in the lab and he's just looking at the pictures and like obsessing over like this, it's terrifying. And the whole time, it's like, this is Robin fucking Williams. Like, where's the joke? Where is the like, you know, it was like the first time that you could just tell. And again, maybe like the same thing with Mary Tyler Moore. Maybe this role was so convincing and so terrifying because he was bringing a lot of that stuff that we had no idea was going on in his real life. The things that he was going through, the things that he was feeling. I'm talking about the pain and, and the things that led to his eventual suicide. Maybe there was some of that in there that, that you know, this isolation, this guy that just feels like he's got, you know, it was terrifying. If you want to see Robin Williams in a way you have never seen him before, watch one hour photo. And when I first saw this, because it was around the same time, it really fucking pissed me off that Tim Burton walked away and Joel Schumacher came in with the fucking nipples and all that shit. What the fuck? So Jim Carrey got the role, obviously, and it was over the top crazy as the Riddler. But Burton's plan was Robin Williams as the Riddler as more of a Paul Dano version, a complete psychopath, manipulative, cold villain that was leaving clues as he's like serial killing these people with keaton's batman that would have been fucking epic after i watched one hour photo i was so pissed that that did not happen right. i'm like no he could have played the fucking riddler so goddamn good but it was like oh well uh, wishes wishes right that's so funny i mean yeah man i mean uh, that was so you just hard. don't see that one like yeah. think at robin williams as a like a psychopath villain you like, really don't you really don't um number one for me is definitely a uh <laughs> definitely a conversation starter and has you know some interesting takes on things but i'm talking about robert downey jr in tropic thunder because unbeknownst to me I don't. Hey, has he ever done a comedy before then? Like, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. See, I mean, yeah. I've never seen any of those. So to see him, all I've known him from is very dramatic performances after his resurgence into the limelight. But I mean, to see this, I was like, "What the actual fuck am I watching?" And just dying laughing. But I just loved the way that he was able to approach such a comedic situation because that's what comedy is. It's not necessarily all always right it's not politically correct and it's just it's just that it makes you laugh and it's stereotypical and i mean we need to laugh at things more so i feel like that is a prime example of what this film does but kind of puts a mirror up to society and just like stop taking yourself so seriously so that's why i wanted to put it on my list i know it is controversial but i loved his performance in that and you know is what it is. He's still here. He's still rocking and rolling. Can't cancel RDJ, baby. No, and it's so funny that every now and then the generations come, right? Because I thought you had him on the list because being typecast as a black person, no. like how do you cast a white person as a black person? That's where I thought you were going with yeah. it. And then you were like, no, he's comedy. 
Well, he's not going. So there was the generation gap right there. Yeah. But I love that because, and I guess both work because mm-hmm. it was a controversy. It's like, why the hell are we casting Robert Downey Jr. as a black man? Like, like it was like, what, what yeah, exactly. is going on? But and I'm just gonna be honest with it. In today's culture, you can't do it. You, this movie would never get made. It makes fun of. Um, um, mentally challenged people. Yeah. It makes fun of basically, I mean, casting a white, it's the stereotypical, all the black jokes, all the, this movie would never get made today. No. Um, so yeah, it's definitely out there. And can we forget you bringing that up just makes me another person cast against type. Fucking Tom Cruise is Les Grossman, the, oh the producer God. in yeah. that movie. Holy shit. Yeah. Everybody had to look, is that even Tom Cruise? Exactly. It's like, what the fuck? If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never seen that, look that up. Yeah. That shit is fucking crazy. It's so funny. Oh, okay, my number one had to be on the list. Come it's on. the obvious. It's the, I think, the one that everybody was like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm talking about my man, the one and only Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne Batman. When this was announced, I can't even tell you how much shit hit the fan. Everybody fucking freaked out about how dare you put this goofy-ass comedian in the role of the Dark Knight. We don't want another 60s Batman campy shit. This is supposed to be dark. This is supposed to be the Batman. This is supposed to be... And every excuse in the book about why this was the most horrible choice and Tim Burton should be fired and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. I got two words for you. I'm Batman. That's it. He is the definitive Batman. Every Batman since him has copied that Batman and to their to their credit well, but it's still stemming from him. And every review that you are reading right now about the Flash, everyone that I am seeing so far from the people who have seen it are now saying he is the definitive Batman. He this marks him, returns him as past Christian Bale again and I know you will do, but these people are saying it and it's not even just me returns him definitively as the Batman. And I I mean, you can't argue. It was the most brilliant casting move by Tim Burton. Well, and it's so funny because right around that time is fucking Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you're cast fucking Beetlejuice as Batman? Like, what the? Why didn't we just put Adam West back behind the cowl? Like, what the fuck were you thinking? But it's so goddamn good. Like, and now... I mean, like, for me, anybody my age, right, like Kevin Smith, like all these people, he is Batman. And it's just like, it was the most brilliant casting move Warner Brothers, I think, pulled off in still up from that point now all the way up. It's probably still the most brilliant casting move that they have made. It was just, it worked. It was phenomenal. And he is Batman. Batman. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Can I see the birth certificate of these people saying this? That's, that's all I want to know. That's what I want to know. I'm serious. Go look it up. Look it up. That's I'm serious. Funny. I just, I'll pull it up right it now. There's like a, everywhere. It's so funny. Well, listen, guys, we want to know <laughs> what is your favorite performance by an actor that goes against their stereotypical genre? Please be sure to comment below in the comment section or add us on Twitter at yes. JLoganAustin or at CrazyAntCEO. We want to know what your thoughts and opinions are we absolutely yeah, love this it this was a tough one so i'd love to hear what people out there are thinking it really was man um well now heading over to the box office recap of course guardians of the galaxy 
swooped in and took everything away for the second week in a row. Um, and I mean, it brought in about sixty and a half million dollars at the box office, which was far better than expected. They were expecting another massive drop off. Yeah. Everybody, Marvel's dead. It's the end of superhero movies, and it way outperformed. So. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, Thank you, James Gunn. Exactly. <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers movie, it came out at number two with $13 million. Uh, Number three was Book Club. The next chapter uh, was $6.5 million. Evil Dead Rise was at number four with uh, $3.7 And Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, came in at number five with $2.5 I love that Evil Dead Rise is still hanging around. It really I, is. I, I'm, I'm just, surprised. I still have to see it. Um, new movies you can go see. This week is Fast X, the one that's never going to end. They're going to be continuing to make these movies after we're long gone. AI is going to (laughs) take after these freaking characters or after these actors. Uh, But it doesn't look like anyone else is even bothering to compete with a franchise about cars and explosions and family. (laughs) So there it is, man. Uh, That makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, I'm super excited about next week, though, because one of my favorite comedians, Burt Kreischer, he's got a movie uh, coming out about um, his life, and Mark Hamill's his dad, and it's called The Machine, and I'm super freaking excited. I'm actually going on Thursday to a live screening event because the movie is like originally like a hour 47 but after the movie he's doing like a live stream to all the theaters and he's going to be like doing a type of thing so it's cool yeah i'm gonna have to go at like nine o'clock at night though so that sucks hey. um that's fine though it's passion it's all about the passion yeah and I, I i love fast x it's like how do you compete when a marvel movie is also in the theaters with you by stacking your fucking movie with marvel actors yeah exactly like that i mean that's how you compete how do i not off a marvel movie from number one let's throw in marvel people for sure it's and so I mean, fucking crazy man. vin diesel just kind of used groot as a networking plan he so did he could try he to did. get in there he literally yeah. was like brie went up to brie larson i am groot okay i'll do fast x cool, like, uh, cool. like what the fuck man <laughs> movies you can still go see right now hypnotic did you see that one? I, uh, if I, I did, know. I don't remember. Maybe I'm hypnotized. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, might go down as Ben Affleck's worst performance at the box office. I don't know if it's a good movie or not, but just no one is seeing it. Stick to directing. Yeah. I'm just, he's a phenomenal. He is an Oscar-winning director. That's Literally. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Just stick to that. Yeah. Let Damon do the acting. Yeah, seriously. Um, John Wick, Chapter 4, Love Again, Air, and Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So get out to your local cinemas this weekend and check out all of those films. Air. That's Air. a brilliant example of brilliant directing and brilliant acting by Affleck and Damon. Exactly. Exactly. Well, IMDb Pro, this makes sense. The trending segment, the top trending movie is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Duh. Um, Shilo, Silo is the top trending TV show. We got to look up to see what that one is. And oh man, oh man, Corey, um, me, ooh, boy. I'm going to go with Milkreast. Milkreast. I wanted to put a little accent on there. Just make it nice and, uh, no, yeah, sure. nice and foreign. But man, uh, yeah, we're trying to look up on the handy dandy 
freaking app to see what the oh the Sandman. He's currently in the Sandman. Oh, interesting. It's that Netflix one, right? Yes, um, and Queen Charlotte. Yeah, and Queen Charlotte. A Bridgerton story. So yes. that makes sense. That, okay, that makes total sense. Oh yeah. I don't know. Sure. Let Let's see what Silo is. Yeah. Really. Let's see. Let's see. Because yeah, I mean, sometimes content gets made and put out there that nobody really markets, like hypnotized. That's right. So it's on. <laughs> AMC. Okay. It's, a, it's about men and women living a job. Oh, this is that one where they all live underground. Oh. And it's like they've never been up to the top or whatever. I've seen the, the it's Rebecca Ferguson and uh, Caitlin Zoe, Tim Robbins. Interesting. I've seen the previews for this one. It does look a little creepy, but okay. Right. Nice. All nice. right. Sounds yeah. interesting. So I have heard of it. I just didn't know the name of it was Silo. There okay. you go. Fair enough. There you go. IMDb Pro. That's why it's you need it. the Bible of the industry. That's why you need it. Hey, you got a little fingerprints on your phone, so you might want to... I'm just saying, he gets super anal about that shit. So I'm, I'm just letting you know. I am constantly cleaning. Yeah, it. it's so that's funny. my real hand, by the way. It really that's is. my real hand. That's where the fingerprints come from. Oh Look, it's, I'm duplicating it. Literally. Like. Oh my goodness, guys. Well, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 225. We oh got to thank gosh. our guest one more time, Robert McCollum, for yes. coming on the show. What a great guy. Be sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Mainly on Instagram, though. Um, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> all the good places, yes, social please. media, at Crazy Ant Media, at ItCaf Podcast, and the Mental Health Podcast. Everything's OKP. And you guys know you can follow us both on social media, myself, at J. Logan Austin, anywhere and everywhere, and at Crazy Ant CEO, anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, buddy. And you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. We're anywhere and everywhere when it comes to podcasting with this podcast and you guys know you can visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear we've got a whole bunch of different options now they don't stick to one particular brand we have so many different brands of t-shirts we have pajama sets we have mugs we have bigger mugs than this now we have upgraded to this size mug and don't worry he will be getting Mine one is soon. Kind of, i'm ordering this weekend yeah, i am ordering worry. this weekend because i need a big mug he does need a big mug this <laughs> Small one, it ain't cutting it for I, I was finished before we get through the first two industry uh, yeah. news stories. Like, <laughs> but you guys have to follow us so you can stay up to date with the promo sales so you can get some stuff at a cheaper price. We know the craziness with inflation, so you got to stay up to date. That's right. Oh, man. But, I mean, it's always good to be able to talk about all the stuff that is happening in Hollywood because, like we said, it's going to get very intense very quick over these next couple weeks with all the unions falling in line. So I, I'm very curious to see how they will all present themselves as a united front and who will, quote-unquote, cave first to see who will go back to try to go back to work first at least. Oh, so, without doubt. Uh, again, I'm predicting sag after. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I have no faith in Fran. I, no, no. And I, I mean, I think she dug her own grave. Uh, uh, she, I don't think she'll be president next. I time was about to say. That, I think yeah. she's one term. One yeah, term. I, I think for sure. I mean, I thought Gabrielle Cateris was divisive, but I, apparently Fran is even worse. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, now I don't know Fran other than right. the nanny. Yeah, yeah. It's just she's a, probably a gem of a person. I have no idea. Yeah, we're just, I'm just talking about the 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 politics and the outsource of. Talking about certain situations. Yeah, I mean, if, if you love her, you love her. But it's clear just based on what we see that at least half the people don't. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. Um, I will say though, and and I just I want to go out there on a record and say this: um, Crazy Ant Media, myself, 
and Logan and everybody affiliated within our company, we support you. Stay strong. Writers, actors, directors, crew people, everybody above the line, below the line, we are with you 1,000%. We support you guys in this fight. I think it's the right fight. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging, especially for a lot of people that are on those picket lines and and not getting paid right now and, and, and making sacrifices. But just know that we are with you. We support you. And, and we cannot stand behind you enough. We, we think this is the right move. And stay strong, guys. It's, it's so, so crucial. Yeah, we do have a, uh, a shirt that says D, or WGA Strong um, that all proceeds that will be bought for that shirt will be sent immediately to WGA and supporting the fight. So oh, absolutely. It is, uh, it's very important, man. It's and very important. I want to say this also. I'm so excited about it's been an unbelievable first quarter and half into the second quarter at the company right now. We've got so many amazing things going on right now, guys. First of all, uh, the Everything's Okay podcast, we've got some just amazing stuff coming up. We've got a really special episode uh, coming up with Logan and his mom. They have an intimate conversation one-on-one, and it's definitely something you do not want to miss. Uh, it was inspired. It's a little subcategory of the mental health. Uh, I'm going to be doing one as well that's going to be coming up, and I'm going to be speaking with someone that you may not know exists. Uh, so That's a little tease right there. <laughs> Trust me, though, you do not want to miss Logan and his mom's conversation. It, it, it gets really deep and intense, little warning, but uh, it's so so good and I think necessary. We've also got one coming up about wor- toxic workplaces. <laughs> who doesn't who hasn't, have a who hasn't that. experienced that before? So we're really excited about that one. And then big announcements coming soon, guys. We are in pre-production on our next film. We're so excited about that. Wait until you see the cast for this film, guys. We have been, It's going to be an amazing cast. We're super excited about that. We're elevating the game. We're going to be shooting in Atlanta. Um, we're super pumped about that. Just everything going on right with that. We're still working out. We're still hammering out stuff on the series. We're in development in the in the drama series, the animated series. Um, just so much going on. And, of course, this show. Yeah. Um, it's just I'm loving life right now. We've got so much stuff going on, and we're just surrounded by so many amazing people and supportive people that are helping with it. And we've got the move coming up. We're going to be relocating the company coming up. It's just it's amazing. It's an amazing time, and I just wanted to put that out there because I'm just so happy to be able to do this and to do what we do. And and it's just and it's a it's an amazing time in life, guys. And I can't say this enough. If you are not out there chasing your dreams and working hard to make it happen, why not? Do it. Anything is possible. And we're here for you guys. We're support you. We want to inspire you. Get out there. Live the dream no matter what it is. Just get out there and do it, man. For sure. It's a it's a beautiful thing and it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. It is. I love it. I love it. And you know who else we love? The one, the only Oprah! Oprah!